Welcome to Colton Culture, Episode 7. I'm Justin Pearson. And I'm Luke Hinshaw. Uh, this one is a little different than our previous podcast. It's um, centered around the film Control by Anton Corbin, the film that came out a uh, few years back about Joy Division. So there's a promoter at uh, UCSD who hit us up about doing something in relation to a screening of the film there. And it makes sense because um, 31G uh, Records, the the name 31G comes from uh, the chorus of the song Warsaw by Joy Division. So that was... uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> that was the that was sort of where where it came from. Uh, I mean, that was where it came from. <clears throat> but um, I I kind of like had a a couple of things where I was trying to make it relevant to the film, and we did our first live podcast in front of an audience. But yeah, trying to make it relevant to the film was a little weird because Joy Division uh, has like a certain place for me and Three One G, but it might not have that same sort of relevance to everybody that's on 31G. Some right. people don't even probably don't even like Joy Division. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I picked um I, I was lucky enough or whatever to have three artists who are part of the 31G family on the panel. So um so what it was is like for one it was um Cody Vadalato, John Brady and Sam Struthers. Um so Cody was in The Blood Brothers and is in Headwind City and John Brady was in Swing Kids and Sam was or is in narrows so um yeah i mean that was sort of like the main thing but really what what i what i wanted to try to do was find this like sort of i don't know connection to what joy division was and what may also to like factory records and that sort of like genre and era and you know subculture of music was in relation to 31g and san diego and the people that are part of the 31g family and then i kind of had a little bit of a an issue like with explaining the the link between the film and joy division and factory records and then what we were doing and what we were and and i and i there's some sort of parallels but i don't want to like trivialize things and i don't want to i don't know it just seemed like weird and sort of maybe insensitive to like kind of draw similarities between things that happened in in that time in that world of of music and then in ours because i I, it's for one thing to be like i think sort of arrogant to be like well this band is like the joy division of this you know whatever um but for me like i i did see a lot of parallels um when i when i was in swing kids um my best friend eric allen passed away from suicide and and it was um i I didn't really know how to like explain it in front of an audience and i i kind of just it was weird, and and I don't think that it should be like compared and contrasted to the two situations. Yeah, and definitely not. So anyhow, I, I it was I it was a little weird getting started, <laughs> and yeah. I was I was kind of caught off guard. Yeah, but and the, just a different environment and taking it live. It's almost like podcasts on the road. To- so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. did it did take a while to settle in, but once it got going, it was gone. And still, like once it was kind of going, I felt like. I don't know. It just it did, had a different vibe when it's here. When we're here in the studio and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, us and, and and our and our guest, it's so much easier than like. There's a bunch of bright lights on us and there's there's a bunch of people watching, you know, and like not necessarily participating. Yeah. Um, it just seemed a little awkward. But regardless, we did it and it was cool and it was yeah. pretty rad for San Diego, I think. And and I think it Guaranteed. was it was fun. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, so here is Colton Culture episode seven. Can we turn these lights down a little bit? Albert asked me to do this um, in conjunction with this film, and it makes a lot of sense to me um, on, a f- on a few levels. I don't want to sound like, 
you know, that's Joy Division, and that's something spectacular. And But I think that we in San Diego had a similar thing happen for us, and maybe in 10 more years or something, <coughs> it'll be as cool <laughs> or, or as, like, sentimental or sad or whatever as Joy Division was. But regardless, we're, you know, we're all part of this thing, and we did, we did something, and I don't, I don't know if, like, I was in a band called Swing Kids, and um, we covered Warsaw by Joy Division, and um, weirdly enough, I started a record label, and I needed a name, <laughs> and so the chorus of the song Warsaw is 3-1-G, so I started a record label, and it was weird because um, I, I liked Joy Division a lot, and, uh, and it, made, it made sense, and, but it, it, I, I didn't think about it. It just kind of happened, and there's a lot of parallels to what happened in Joy Division's existence to things that, I, <clears throat> that I've been part of. So a good friend of mine passed away. When, I don't want to equate him to Ian, Ian Curtis, but uh, Eric Allen. And so he was in Swing Kids. And it, so it has a, it, there's a lot of like weird parallels. But I don't know necessarily that this, this podcast should be that. Uh, I, to me, what, what I was getting from having this be part of the film or part of this evening and all of you being here is a bigger picture. So, you know, when, like when Joy Division started, they met at a Sex Pistols concert and created something unique and different than what the Sex Pistols were. And I, I kind of feel like 3-1-G and a lot of the bands that me and my friends and stuff were in kind of started without guidelines and without, like, we weren't, like, punk rock or we weren't, like, hardcore. We were, we were everything and nothing. So that's the goal of this conversation here. So I, I have a few friends from 3-1-G family and... Um, we're going to have a conversation about what we created accidentally. And so, again, it draws parallels to Joy Division. And um, so, yeah, I'd like to introduce you to a few friends um, Cody Vadalotto, which is Blood Brothers and Headwind City, uh, Into Violence, John Brady, Swing Kids, and Sam, where are you at? <laughs> Narrows. Um, yeah, come on up, and there's microphones. Hello. And Should we stand or sit? Sit, do whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we can start a pit. Um, so again, like, this is weird because it's a podcast and there's an audience. Usually we're in a studio at Luke's studio, and, and, and uh, there's no one else around. <laughs> so it's kind of weird, but um, yeah, thank you guys for being here, and thank you for existing and doing the stuff that you do uh, on many levels, because I, I feel like it's... Um, it's important to a lot of people, and, and not, not that it can equate to record sales or something, but I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us have had someone come up to us at some point on tour and, or write us an email or something and say, like you saved my life, and it's pretty, pretty fucking cool to hear stuff like that. So, maybe, you know, so, for, so I do feel like there is something in what we do, and, and it does speak to like the weirdos and, this, and the, you know, the outcasts or whatever, but I, I want to ask like, you know, each of you, and just jump in whenever, but like, I, I wonder how we all got to where we are now, but like how we started what we were doing, because I don't, I don't think any of it, for me and for John, I mean, when we started Swing Kids, it was never calculated. It, we never had like, I don't think we had any idea what we were doing. It happened and then it ended and, you know, we, we moved on and did other things, but like, how did, how did we get here? You know, what, what, what was our... <laughs> <laughs> well, with Swing Kids, I, I think it happened, at least for me, there was... Uh, my introduction to punk rock and my relationship with punk rock was I was 
really into like the political side of it, anarchist, leftist, uh, British punk rock in particular, and it colored my life in, in a very serious way. And I felt at, at points that it was divorcing me from recognizing my own personal history and my own personal uh, obstacles and trauma and it's like family background and, and just shitty things that happened to me that I had to be on top of being, you know, this very political person and making a difference in the world when I really hadn't even worked on fixing myself. And so Swing Kids happened at a time when I was starting, or the start of Swing Kids happened at a time when I was starting to look at that and recognize that maybe I shouldn't be so serious, but be serious in a different way at the same time. And I think that going to Joy Division, like that was kind of a, a way of connecting that together for me. So that they kind of gave me that voice. I mean, there's other a lot of other factors going on, I, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it... it, it Sam and I were talking about this earlier, like where where we where we would talk about like things that we were influenced by. So like, you know, we we were influenced by Joy Division, but we also listened to Carcass or Judge or whatever, and it, it kind of it, it spits it out in this like weird thing, this like blob of something that that has no real definition. I mean, there was maybe a definition, or maybe there's a definition now. I mean, people call there's that horrible term screamo or whatever but like at the time like we were just full of just weird shit and emotions and we had no idea what we were doing and i think that was it was like a subculture of a subculture it was a, it was a subculture of punk rock it was it, but it was more like a communal thing it was more like a a thing at least for me maybe maybe for all of us like it was survival uh, to some extent uh without really realizing it you know i mean i don't know and in in my introduction to all of you guys was it was it was always like weird you know it's kind of like in the film like you're just like what the fuck is going on like that that was like such a strange time and and maybe maybe it's maybe it's weird for younger people now or something or older people it's still weird for me but um it makes sense but i, I feel like we never really had we were lucky that we weren't like defined i, I guess and and i think that's that might be a, a, a something that resonates i don't know what if if that i mean that's kind of like what you were saying I, I suppose you know i mean yeah i mean i it, i was having a conversation uh with a good friend of mine just a couple of weeks ago about a band that i introduced him to and they said oh they described themselves as post-punk that's stupid and i said you know what? that's completely stupid and i don't even know what the hell it means you know same thing with you know when you define joy division or whatever else is post-punk to me it's just punk rock or whatever the hell maturing and i think that that's kind of what was going on with us at that point when we were in our late teens and maturing early <laughs> that's a good one i mean I, I i sort of feel like a lot of what was happening amongst uh the bands and and it's maybe sort of similar is there's just a lot of like you said you don't know what's going on it's like we like you don't like there's a lot of uncertainty with yourself and and how you feel and what you're seeing and what it's making making you feel and what's happening to you in your life when you're at that age. So I think it it really becomes this melting pot when you meet some other people your age kind of going through something similar or into the same things when no one else is because when I was when I was ten I moved to a suburb of Seattle from Texas from like a you know, like a little a very, very small town, maybe four hundred people live there and you know, I all I cared about was like football. And then 
one day I came home and my my older brother Rocky had he had gotten like three albums and it was like a it was Twenty Four Hour Revenge Therapy by Jawbreaker, I think Yank Crime by Jehu and uh, In on the Kill Taker, and I remember like coming home from some sort of football practice and he was with a friend listening to it, <laughs> you know, on their boombox and I was just like okay. Like, I'm done with, with whatever this stuff is. This is something about this really means something to me. And then I went and saw Jawbreaker play. And once I saw them play, I was like, okay, fuck, that's it. Like, I'm going to do this. And then I, at that same show, were everyone else that eventually were in the Blood Brothers. And I didn't know them, but we were like, you know, started seeing them around shows and we were the only people our age and so we just kind of gravitated towards each other and like for me, those guys already knew each other uh, and had each other but I didn't really and so I eventually became friends with them and then, you know, um, when I heard Swing Kids, I was like, what? What's going on here? This is, this is so sick. Like, and to me, like it started becoming, informing in all these different you know, ideas and feelings that I had around music, and we would just get together and just fucking trash our instruments. And Johnny's parents, like, garage, and that's, that's kind of how we s sort of started to figure out what we were doing, and, and we went through so many transformations of what we were trying to do and what we were trying to be, and I, I feel like that's very, you know, that plays into to all of it, where it's like, these bands have this sound now, not because it's an intentional thing, but because it's it's just a, a you know amalgamation of all this weird teen or like young angst or you know I I can't even really say really what it was, but it, it certainly I think created amongst all these bands this thing that you know I, we were always trying to like sound like whatever it was, and and then someone else in the band wanted to sound like this and. So then it ended up sounding like Blood Brothers or Locust or Swing Kids or, you know, like Botch or all these bands, you know, like, so that's just kind of my, my take on it. And, you know, I think that it does feel akin to, to, to something like Joy Division where they, they just sort of stumbled upon this, this energy and this vibe and this, this sound that they had. It's interesting because there, there's a scene in the film where he's, he's walking and he has hate written on his back and then there's the question where she is interviewing him and or interviewing them and ask about the songs of, of love and he said it doesn't have to be like that or you know it's it's interesting to think about that because I remember like for me was uh, the, the drummer for Swing Kids Jose and I went and saw Suicide Tendencies when I was 15 and it wasn't even really about Suicide Tendencies but we went and saw and, and I remember like there was so many different things that happened you know and one of them was this um there was this. There was like a Nazi skinhead. And it was in Phoenix, and and he and I remember him like having uh, this tattoo. This skinhead was huge to me. I mean, I was I was a little kid, so probably everybody was huge. But um, he had this. He's still huge, by the way. <laughs> You're not much bigger. He had this. He had this <laughs> tattoo on his arm. It was crazy because suicidal tendencies. You know, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, we were okay. We were at suicidal tendencies show, and there was this skinhead that had I hate niggers tattooed on his arm, and that was the only tattoo he had. And I, I mean, uh, there was like a million things going through my head, like, what a fucking asshole, that's his first tattoo, you know? But then I was also like, wow, what an asshole, he can just cruise around and like not have a shirt on and just like showcase this shit, you know? But I remember like the reaction that I had as a, as a, a, you know, as a small 
young person was just, I was so frustrated. Uh, but the next day, like, you know, Jose and I started our first band, Struggle, which had people from Swing Kids, and eventually, you know, we, that band broke up and became Swing Kids, but there was, there was that energy, that fucking angst and the pissed off everything, and, and it translated. But I think it, in, 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 it like, in, ended up translating differently with stuff like, like Swing Kids or, or even like seeing the Blood Brothers where there was like, there was a nuance to it. And even though we didn't really know what the nuance was or we weren't like calculating it, it was like, there was, there was like this sort of gracefulness to, to what was happening. So it had like, it was like polarizing. So it was like jagged and, and rough and shitty and, you know, abrasive. And it also was soft and nurturing. I don't know if that's something that you... Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's, there was a lot of... Um for some reason, desire to just to to make us like a sound with an instrument that would put you off in some way, or make you just feel like a little like messed up from it and discordant. I guess you know it was it was just kind of a way to I I don't know if it was a, a something to just go against what felt normal or or what, but creating tension and then and then releasing it. Yeah, maybe. yeah, and. You know, I mean, I think in that band too, uh, specifically the Blood Brothers, you know, there were just, everyone was such an individual too. There was no, there was no real leader of the band. No one was like guiding the ship and saying it should be this way. It was, to me, five people playing five different songs <laughs> at yeah. once that kind of became a song. So anarchy. Yeah. Real punk. <laughs> yeah, true anarchy. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know, maybe like, Maybe not to be nostalgic, but I still feel like that. I mean, I, even like when when Retox toured with Narrows, I still felt like, I still felt like all those shitty feelings, <laughs> you know. And I and and even like when Headwind City recently toured, like you you still feel like, I I mean for me I still felt those, that angst and I felt that confusion and I don't know. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, I think it's in it's in your DNA. It's <laughs> it's not shit. Yeah, I got that twenty three and Me thing, and I and I'm a I'm part like Neanderthal, and it sucks. <laughs> No, I'm serious. It's really a bummer. I can definitely say that that growing up in in and going to and going to San Diego like hardcore hardcore shows um, had a heavy influence. I didn't really you don't really realize it until like I mean I guess I don't I didn't really realize it maybe until just now <laughs> revelations. <laughs> but but you don't really think about the the subtle things that you pick up in in just playing with other people like and going to shows and like just hanging out with these kids and get feeding off this energy and then i mean even i mean i'm old as fuck now but it's i still like i real i just realize it like i'm like wow like i picked this thing up that i wrote on this song that holy shit that like that's like kind of sounds like like this or that not even thinking like oh i'm gonna make this i'm gonna write this thing and it's gonna sound like this it just fits. It just kind of flows out, and so like stuff that everything narrows. It was two thousands. It's not even like you know nineties anything, and it still has that like that kind of feel to it that doesn't sound like a like quote unquote like hardcore record. It's just got these weird. It's just a bunch of weird shit happening, and it's a bunch of dudes from completely different other bands completely different other cities and and everybody just kind of like smashes a bunch of shit together and it sounds like but, but none of us really cared it's just like the outlet right so and i feel like that that all stems from from 
I guess wherever you grow up and wherever you, you know, whatever you're influenced by, your friends are influenced by all the stuff you listen to, all the stuff you're surrounded with. So like, so like Swing Kids, Locust, like Broken, all that San Diego stuff. Like I was a metal kid. I'm like hardcore. I don't know where hardcore is. It sounds like metal to me. I don't know, whatever. But like I started hanging out with these kids and they're like, yeah, let's go see this band. And I was just like, fuck, this is like, so different than everything I listen to. This is like right. These these are all dudes that like live like a mile away from me. This is incredible. This is like rad. So like that. I don't need like that community and that like that weird like thing that just draws everybody in to go to these shows. Like it was just like oh who's playing? Like it didn't even matter who was playing, but you were just like cool. Let's go. Like let's go see what kind of wacky shit is gonna fucking happen. And it would be awesome. Like. Like, I know Rob from Unbroken, he, like, booked a ton of shows for this shitty band that I was in, and he... Which like, band was that? Quarantine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, you, don't look it up, because you'll know, <laughs> you won't find it, you won't find anything, and it won't be good. I, I saw your, I saw you play. I, I was wondering which one of the shitty ones I you're know, talking about. It was that, it was that one. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and I just remember, like, man, yeah, like, we, we he, like, booked us this one show, and then, and then like... He was like, oh, like, I'm broken. I was supposed to play that night. And they, like, they ended up, like, not playing the show that they were supposed to play. He, like, called me up, like, before I, like, right before I left the house. And he was like, hey, can we jump on your show? And I was like, fuck, yeah, that would be sick. And we played this, like, tiny, like, hole in the wall called Mesopotamia. And that, you're yeah. probably there. It was, like, a shoebox. And there was, like, 100 kids in there. And it was just, like, plastered up the walls. And it's, like, insane, like, feeling of, like, just total chaos. And everybody walked out, like, like they just been in a fucking rainstorm and it's like that that kind of crazy feeling that that outlet like still like i still get that feeling like anytime i get a chance to play anytime i get to get out which isn't much lately but it's still i still have that same like connection to like that that chaotic angst sure it's It's like um i i had breakfast um two doors down from where mesopotamia was recently and I was sitting there thinking as I was eating my breakfast, like, it's a nail salon now. And I'm like, no one in there could possibly have any idea, like, what happened there and the energy that was there on sure. some nights like, when your band and Swing Kids and all these other great bands I saw play there. Like, it's so weird to think about. Yeah, I, I think about it, too. I mean, I ate at Pokey's the other day, and I thought about Blood Brothers playing there and the Locusts played there. And that kind of stuff is pretty crazy. Even 915 E Street, which is a few... St- doors down which is where Antioch Arrow played and stuff and I think that's a it's a it's a pet grooming place but you know it it, it is interesting because it is like those spots are able to like harbor this energy that's I don't know rare and special and and it's it's interesting on on a lot of levels because it's not for everyone you know and and it's not that it's not that we are or us you guys everyone it's not that we're being like um you know elitist or we're not like shutting anybody out but it's just i don't know it's an interesting thing to think about because you you have to sort of find it by chance or it finds you uh whatever way you want to look at it but it it, it is something that's special and it's and it's um i don't know it's a trip to think about that you know even like with the che cafe i mean we've all played there and it's thankfully opening again I, i guess june 2nd they're doing a festival or something but it's it's places like that that made 
a lot of what we've done possible and maybe even saved some of our lives or saved our friends' lives or something, you know? I mean, those kind of places are, are uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it has something that it's, it, again, probably going back to like the DNA thing. It's it's in the DNA of the, of the city or the of, the of that location. It's whoever's, you know, part of it, whatever energy is channeled through that makes something special. And so it, it is interesting how, how it works out, you know? Well, and it's cool because, you know, not only, I think it goes beyond like the the, art, the bands and the people in the bands and it goes, you know, it says a lot about the people who are creating these little spaces for for that to flourish, for the, these shows to happen, even houses, little small like places like you're talking about. The fact that there's people always creating a spot for these out, you know, this this energy to find a home and release and, you know, to me that that's what when you find things that can kind of grow and flourish into to bigger, more substantial things that down the road can affect people for a long time. Um, you know, and I, I, and I think there was some, I, I'm kind of on the outside because I was in Seattle, but I always felt akin to, to San Diego. I think there's some congruency with just what everyone was trying to do in terms of playing this, this weird music that w- was, to me, like, tried so hard to be, like, as heavy as possible, but there was just so not aggressive at the same time. Like, it was so, like, you know, it was, there was this, this frailty to it in my eyes. Even someone like the heaviest hardcore bands, like, to me, there's, there was this, this idea that you didn't have to be a thug or a meathead to play, like, some heavy, crazy, loud music, and, it, you know, I think that, that that was really cool and something that, that was very special about that time of music and, and all the bands that sort of came from that. And, and at least for me specifically, um, and, and I think I could speak for the guys in the blood brothers and saying like, you know, we, we were drawn to it, but we were never like, we never wanted to be tough or we just w- wanted to make the music that sounded tough. But <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't think we really did, but I mean, it's, it's like if you're, if you want to be tough and you, you seek it, but maybe, maybe that like sort of aggression or something, found you you know it was a way to communicate it was beyond language it was like this other way to say something whatever it is you know i mean it's open to interpretation i suppose you know on on a few levels but i I mean speaking of like the 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 sort of like i don't know like toughness or masculinity aspect i i one of the things that really stuck with me was when i toured with narrows i remember every night like and well maybe this this also ties into like you know dave being from botch and the seattle kind of connection or whatever but like uh, w- it was Retox, uh, which I sing in, and 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 Narrows, and Sam drums in, and, and but I was talking to Dave about, I don't know what it was, like how it came out, came about, but our conversation was he was kind of like uh, commenting on like th- like your 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 performance or like my performance as like a singer or whatever, and and I and I was like equally com- like tripping out on his, and I and he's a big dude, and he, you know, he, and he's and he he seems like a hardcore singer. Yeah, he's a know? paramedic. He's a fire. <laughs> yeah. Is he a fireman? He's a yeah. firefighter. Firefighter, yeah. yeah. But I was like, man. So what do you like? What's the deal? Like, what do you, what's what's what what's the deal? Like, what's your thing that you do? And he goes, right before you know, Sam counts us off into the first song. I, I find the biggest dude in the crowd, and I just fucking go for that guy. And he's like. Uh, and I was like, what? And do what? You know? And he's like, well, I, I mean, they're here to see us. And I'm pretty sure he's, he's like, I'm pretty sure they're not going to like beat me up or whatever. But like, like he, he tries to, you know, just attack someone like, it, but maybe not like in a, an aggressive, violent way, but just in some with, with energy or I don't know, like some spiritual shit, you know, but like he would, he would engage with, with one 
big motherfucker. He engages every night. And I'm like, dude, and like, and and I, it was funny because I was like, if I did that, the guy would just lay me out. You know, I mean, I'd be, and I would. What I, do I you think he did with a room full of Cody's? <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just leaves it be. He's like, I'm gonna stay on the stage tonight. We're cool. But it was a trip, you know. Cause Take the night off. Yeah. yeah. He he gave me like he complimented me and kind of like said something about like. I don't know, equating to like a dog with rabies in the corner or something. And I was like, I guess, you know, like snarling or something. But it was funny because that also resonated with me because when I would see the Blood Brothers play, I mean, uh, Jordan kind of like would post up, you know, by like by the drums and just fucking look so sick and evil, like more evil and tough than like a tough than like fucking, you know, judge or something, you know, like yeah, he's pretty pretty damn cool it was it was yeah. it was great but and it was cool because it like it was harboring like that energy and, and it had like a, a, it had aggressiveness and it had there was hate involved in that and there was i mean there was love involved in it too but it, it didn't have you know gender and masculinity and stuff and i think that was like a really awesome important thing i think for all of our bands you know to kind of like be uh gender neutral i, I suppose you know and, and and i mean i see that like, i saw that you know like kind of in a lot of the stuff that we were all growing up and listening to, you know, that was like sort of like the unspoken guideline, I guess, you know, I mean, even with Unbroken, you know, watching, Dave. well, Unbroken was an interesting thing for us, yeah. for me, for San Diego, because it was like, they all looked like Morrissey and they sounded like Slayer and, yeah, it, yeah. and they were like better than all other hardcore bands yeah. of that time. And all, and like, you know, they play with straight edge bands that were just like trying to be fucking tough. And then it was like, you know, I'm broken. It was like, again, it was like that. It was the thing that I was saying, like it was like gracefulness, you know, like there's a, there's a, it's, it was more of a feeling like there's a tension, like something's going to break at any moment. There was like this build, like it was always a build and you were like, like ready for it like there was a tripwire and you're just like something's gonna set this off and it, you didn't have to there didn't have to be a muscle and there didn't have to be a gun and there didn't have to be like a literal i'm gonna fuck you up it was like this tension this like build and you were just like waiting for something to happen and even if it didn't happen it still felt like you were exhausted by the end and you were like that was like it's like incredible it's like this just wildness and it's you can't really even i mean like i don't even know if i'm doing it justice in describing it but it's like it's this thing where you're it was like a palpable like energy and and i feel like it 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 did more for like for me in going like wow that's heavy versus like like i mean i listen to he some heavy stuff like anything that's like where it's like somebody's purposely like i'm gonna be heavy i'm gonna down tune this guitar and it's gonna sound the chuggiest you know slowest sludgiest and everybody's gonna swing their arms earth crisis-y bullshit that you can think of but this was like it was different it was like the dissonance and the it was like just like like a raw like untamable like fire and i so feel like that there's like a, there's like a handful of those types of bands and that was like that kind of that that feeling you see those kinds of bands and you're like that's it right there and like the guys that just did the chick 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 like that shit's a dime a dozen like that was like weak metal to me i don't know
Hmm. But but the but the unbrokens, the swing kids, like all that kind of stuff was like it was just wild. It was like wild. You're like, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Like I know what's gonna happen when I see those chugga chugga bands. Hmm. Some dude's gonna swing his arm like that, some other dude's gonna kick like that and whatever. Like, you know what's gonna happen. Like the other like everybody's just kinda balled together and it's just like I don't know, it was a really just it was wild. It so was wild. So I wonder about things like that. I mean, especially with Unbroken and they would they you know, they 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 recorded and covered um, level terrace apart and I I, I, I wonder what went on in the minds of people that weren't necessarily you know not educated but are, or you know like exposed to that kind of music and like how like how do you react how do their feeble minds react to that <laughs> happening you know like and, and then when they do discover like what that song comes from and where, where it comes from and what 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 is behind it you know I wonder like what I don't know. It's it's just like again. I think I feel like it's redefining or maybe blurring the 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 defining lines that a lot of bands or people or artists or whatever have. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe and again, going back full circle, we we don't. I don't feel like we've ever really had those guidelines or, or restrictions. You know, because for me, like I remember seeing like bands. You know, any band that any of you guys have been in is as well. But like you know, like stuff like Antioch Arrow, where where it was like. Or heroin, or or even crossed out, or, or whatever it was. It was it was, you know, um, it was just like um, righteous, you know, and 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 without sounding like, because there is that sort of like uh, e egotistical side of things. You, I mean, it's in, it's it was in that in the film a little bit, and you know, you you occasionally someone will be talking about their own band as like the coolest thing or how they're rad and whatever. And it's full I mean, on narcissism. What? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of that in in modern day everything. I mean, look even politics. But but the the thing is, like, I remember like seeing that kind of stuff happen. And 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 I and I maybe those bands you know maybe maybe Unbroken and Antioch Arrow were were like behind you know the scenes saying that they were the raddest bands or they were just like fuck I just doing I'm doing this thing and I don't know why you know and I mean that was that was the thing it was just like an inspiring sort of point uh, reference point I guess you know and I, I I think what Sam said like earlier raw and I think a lot of it was just a raw expression and it was. I don't know if it's aggression or frustration or just working shit out in your head into a public space, but you know, with the energy and 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 the, and the tough side of something like Unbroken, it's pissed off, angry aggression played by guys who know they're not tough, but they have a lot going on inside of them that needs to come out. Um, and sure, there's egotism in that. There's like, hey, pay attention to me, or maybe help me figure this out I, I don't i don't really know but but maybe for, cry for help but maybe for <laughs> possibly <a> <laughs> yes <laughs> there's, there's got to be somebody else that feels like me but maybe that's the thing is like the going back to the mesopotamia thing or the che or whatever like there, there was never like it was kind of like a, the whole show was a thing it wasn't like the band and the audience we were all like engaging to some extent like you know everybody would leave would you say like wet or whatever you know like you know and our hurts or and I think that was like, I mean, I remember like going and seeing b bands like, you know, like going and seeing Antioch Arrow and like being scared, you know, for my life. Which, which, like, which, which brings the question of like, how the hell did we all end up there when people often ask like San Diego, you know, it's such a nice, pretty place and it's like paradise and what the hell's wrong with you guys? And like, Why are you doing this? It's a very valid question. I don't know. I mean, everybody's, everybody's. Um, I, I can't really speak to the people that were more on the fringe and didn't quite get it and weren't really in and part of it. I mean, I know why I was there, and, and I assume that 
a lot of the people that I'm close to and still good friends with today, I kind of get why they were there too. But as far as somebody who wasn't as engaged with it, I don't know what they thought of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they got it or they didn't. And that's, that's, where it, that's what it boils down to. I don't think I understood it. I just was like amazed by it, and that was that was all it took. It's interesting, <laughs> but, but I, I do think it might be the the city is an in, is a good point because I don't know about Seattle, but for San Diego is like you know the, it's set up for tourism and it's set up for um, this sort of like nice brochure, you know, and and so then there's like well what about the people that live here and, and you know it goes beyond just like. I don't know, like white guys in a in a band, but it, it goes on like to other aspects too. I mean, culturally speaking, it, it's it's a fucked up city, you know, and it's a it's a really mean. There's a mean underbelly, to, underside to it that I think like sucks for a lot of people. Um, and so I think for punk and even things like hip hop and and other uh, other elements of art, it's it's a way to communicate to others about real issues, you know. So I don't know, it's. It, um, even if it's not like um, spelled out in like an obvious manner, if it's like sort of abstract or, or open for interpretation, I think that um, there's still communication happening that goes beyond language, which which also ties into like the sort of a discordant aspect of a lot of the music we were all playing or are, are, are still continually playing. Do you think Seattle was like that for you? Um, I mean, Seattle was, you know, Seattle's far, but there there was like some venues there that that really cultivated you know the opportunity for music to happen there you had the velvet elvis which is you know was in like a very sketchy part of seattle at the time in a in an alleyway um you know and, and i you know i went to go see every band there you know the monarch i saw at the drive-in there murder city devils played there all the time i, th I think i saw locust there and locust played there um you had the Prophet nor Lord Shall Live. It was just really like a crazy little tiny theater. And then, of course, there was the Rebbin Firehouse, which was the like a teen center in the suburbs that really like made all ages music something that could happen and in a place where you could go and play. And it was a, it was a teen center that was by design to, to take in teens that were troubled. And it's still there today doing the same thing, which is pretty cool. It's not as much of a, a music place, I, I don't think, anymore, um, just as the world has changed. But um, it just was a, a really good city at the time for, for being a young person trying to play music because you you had places that could do it and you had enough people there that were facilitating it happening and you had enough people having houses that were just like, you know, there was the Aurora Family House, which which I'm pretty sure you played at as well and, and a lot of stuff came through. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of it being a hard city, I think, yeah, like anywhere, anywhere it is, I, I think maybe it's a little different there. I think there's a lot of money in Seattle, especially now. I don't know what it's like for kids now there. I mean, it sort of has a similar vibe here. I mean, it, there's a lot of money in the city, and it's but it's 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 geared towards a yeah certain per, you know I don't know what the right terminology would be, but you know it's it's a it's for the bourgeois, it's for people that yeah. can afford to travel. Uh, go back to like the concept of a brochure. True. Yeah, I mean, Seattle seemed similar in that. Seattle's respect. been destroyed by Amazon and uh, Microsoft, and I mean, Amazon took over. Like, I mean, this is getting into a whole different tangent, but like a five city blocks yeah. and have, have just, you know, an influx of people have moved there. And I mean, whatever, this is what happens in cities. It's, but not, maybe, it's not a big deal anymore. But, but maybe like the city 
itself, not not even that city, but even San Diego. Like I don't hear of shows and houses, and it's not the same that it used to be. Like, I just I, I I refuse to believe. I just think we're not connected. Shit, I refuse to believe it. Like really. I, I I've been to a few. They still happen. Yeah. yeah I, I but are they a, are they like I don't know. It's weird. I wonder if they're like it was when. No, I mean it. It can't be. The world's just different. But there's got to be a version of it. I, I feel like, and and an influx of coming back to it. You know, like I think I think younger people are getting turned on by the ideas of uh, of doing things in a much more like simple way. Like I I know younger kids are getting four tracks. They're you know even though it's 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 like a trendy thing. It's like more younger kids are into Polaroids and taking film and you know and and writing things and creating things in a much more organic way i th it is happening and, and i do believe that it's going to begin to create some really cool art soon in this in this you know like wake of of electronics and you know which which by no means am i against but i think artistically young people have just been so like bug lamped by edm and and software that now it's kind of starting again where I'm seeing like rumblings of kids that are like picking up guitars and using four tracks and setting up shows and, and playing in practice spaces. And I just, I think that it's happening. And I, and I think that we just maybe aren't as quite connected to it huh. naturally. I mean, we shouldn't be, it, it should be special to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like huh. we had our moment, Fuck but it's you know, it's over, you know, uh. like, I mean, the Blood Brothers would would not have continued though, just bringing it back to like the the three one G thing. I mean, in, in my eyes, three one G saved the Blood Brothers because we were gonna break up and we we were gonna do this tour. I don't remember where we played, but we stayed at your house. And then I remember that morning you asked us if we wanted to make a record for three one G. And then we're like, okay, well we'll stay a band because we were gonna do the tour and and not be a band anymore. So you so you owe it all to me then. Yeah, pretty oh, much. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, then we did march on, and <laughs> then you left me right away. And then yeah, we told <laughs> <For the laughs> we went for the money, for man. The big <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those big three one G dollars. Yeah, there's none there, believe me. Um, but that's an interesting thing too, because I think like um, even even like I don't, I don't want to compare again things to to you know the, the control, but like I do see some sort of parallels between like how Factory Records was and how it was viewed as like this sort of community of, of 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 artists and stuff and i and i think that like without even realizing it like 31g became that and I, and and that's something that i can look back on and like be proud of and 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 grateful for um because i was so glad to have uh, a relationship with the blood brothers on 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 a on a you know a multi-faceted level you know it wasn't just like oh those are my friends or we played a show together it was like they're part of 31g and that was that said a lot you know or black dice or cattle decapitation or Quintron and then it kind of just went bigger and broader and and became this thing and even now it's like 31G is a weird thing to think about because you know I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine who does PR today about how like we 31G doesn't make money and well, I'm, a, I'm in a lot of debt but um I keep doing it you know and like why and it's well it's it and I hate these fucking stupid like uh industry terms but like branding oh it's like a branding thing like because it speaks to a lot of people like if you say 31g it's kind of like saying like it here's a this is where this is like the quality or this is the like level of of absurdity or whatever you want to you know or like the stupidity or, or whatever you want to call it like this is what you're gonna you're gonna get something in this ballpark you know and like that was 
an interesting thing to think that like was created. It wasn't like, oh, it's a record label and we have records and we have sales and we sell vinyl or digital or CDs or it's, but it was more like of, a, of like a, a community. And that, that's, a, that's something that's, that I thought was like what I took from it and take from it still. And I tried to explain that today. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, I, I'm going to keep running this r label and, and use smoke and mirrors and try to trick people or whatever. But like the, the it's going to, it's something bigger. It's not just like, it's not just music, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that if you're, if you're a fan of, of this label or, and you can depend on it to whatever it is that, you know, is going to be affiliated with it. it, it if, if you're into this like knit, niche like you're gonna like it or you might hear something weird and new that is is pushing some type of envelope which i, I you know i always viewed 31g as as trying to you know cultivate a family of just like it's like a freak show you know it's a it's a circus of <laughs> thanks, of thanks. different kinds yeah. of music and you can always depend on hearing something kind of different than what else is going on and, and it would always so even if the bands don't necessarily sound the same there's going to be a, a life force behind it that I think is is linear um, so but thank you um, but I, I think like I don't want to say like because 31g is, 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 is all of you and it's a, a lot everyone on the label and I, and I feel like it's um, it's it says something bigger it's like a you know it's um, I don't know how to explain it in in, in, in simple terms but like it, it, it's it's like a uh, i don't know it's it's i mean i guess going back to like the idea of like it is a communal thing it's a community because people will say like oh it's like a 31g sounding band and I, and i always say like well what's that you know because because you do have stuff that's like speed metal you know fucking like asterisk or or something and then and then you have you know like I don't know, like the complete opposite uh, of that, you know, like uh, you know, Quintron, and it's like, yeah, you have a dude with an organ from you know New Orleans with a puppet show, like that's not, and and and, and then that can we can take that even Quintron in itself and bring that into like the tough guy thing, and it's like that guy's a bad motherfucker, you know, and that's a dude that travels with an organ and a and Miss Pussycat and their puppet show, and like that's some serious shit, you know, and like that's fucking tougher than tough. As far as I'm concerned, um, I don't know. It's something that I think that says a lot. Uh, you can't just like you can't just like easily create that or like calculated, you know, like calculate and create something of that magnitude. It just it's birthed into the universe by stuff that's beyond us. So maybe that maybe that is like uh, why why we did all all these things that we've done. And I don't know. Unfortunately, but you guys said we were too old though now to to we're keep on. No, nah, that's not what I meant. I think I think that you you took that out of context. My point was like, fuck you, dude. Is is the idea that something can be special to a small group of people and and sort of um, branch out to to other people who need it at the time? I just I I have to believe that that's happening. And maybe I, I'm on the outside of it, and I'm totally cool with it, but I, I just don't think that we created ever just because just it can't. But I, I know something equally as special is happening to a group of young people right now sure. that, you know. Well, that's a, it's a really interesting point because I remember growing up and, like, seeing, uh, you know, like, what was it? Um, 
Target video would like put out all these videos. Like you could see the cramps play at the mental hospital, and they would put out like there was like a Black Flag one or Dead Kennedys one, and it, you know it'd see all these things. And then there was like the documentaries. There was the Clash documentaries, the jo and Joy Division, and things like that. And you're like, fuck, man, that like and it, the sex, like even seeing Filth and Fury, like it's probably one of the better music documentaries in my opinion. It seemed very realistic. And it showed the like shitty side to to what we do, you know, and and it, and it was weird. Like, the, but like not shitty in like a a textbook way, a shitty in the way that like we do this because we actually have no other choice. It's just like in our brains, like we just do it because well, I don't know, like it's not like that rad to be broke and go on tour around the entire continent and, yeah. and fucking shoplift and shit like that. <laughs> you know, when you're like in your teens and you're like, I can't even eat, uh. you know, and we have nowhere to sleep. I mean, fuck, I remember being 15 years old and like sleeping outside of some place in Santa Barbara and on the sidewalk waking up in my sleeping bag covered in ants. Like that's not cool and it's 15 year old kids shouldn't have to do that but like I had to and that is something that I think is really important and so I, I wonder like because we experienced these things and we saw we saw like the Sex Pistols and, and, and Joy Division and we saw all that like from afar and so then we did the thing and we're doing the thing and I wonder like you know like if there's a 10 year old kid right now that's going to watch a documentary on the Blood Brothers and be like fuck that is like you know, have this perception, which is like what we had of the Sex Pistols. As you know, I, I wonder Damn, if that, that would be tight. <laughs> but I wonder I if it I fucking hope that happens. <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah, just hoping you're not the Sid Vicious of the bunch. I guess. No, we were um, good. We were good boys. <laughs> but I wonder, like, if there, if that, because it, it is like this really strange thing where people try to like equate it to like a, a, the, the the another generation. They try to like say like there's this thing, or they long for on that certain level, and it's like I mean maybe there won't be another like I don't know maybe the house shows maybe they're maybe they're not like yeah maybe not. I mean I remember yeah. the show it, it it in Golden Hill with the Locust Blood Brothers. Mars Volta, fucking moving units. And it was like literally like to total anarchy. I mean, the Che had a show that night. They sh they canceled their show and everybody was at my house and it was yeah, fucked up. Yeah, that was up. crazy. It was like bad, but good, you know? And I think that that's like a really cool thing um, as long as you're not the landlord. So I wonder <laughs> like maybe that doesn't need to happen again because... I don't know. It was different. There was there wasn't like a cell phone in everybody's hand, and it wasn't there wasn't. Yeah, it like wasn't being projected to the world. It was special. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or I something. see what you mean. Uh, so it wasn't be it wasn't experienced through the lens of a square in your hand. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. With that being said, maybe we should just end this. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Where we all sound like a bunch of old farts. No cool house Rock shows happen anymore. We're yeah. the coolest ever. <laughs> 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 uh, well, okay. I mean, maybe it shouldn't be a house show. You know, I mean, I I, I know like. Bobby Bray was trying to put on a show in the in the line coming into Mexico from Tijuana, like put on a performance for the people in the cars crossing the border. Like that's next level shit. You know, and um, fuck, we're people are going to the, to Mars. You know, like now SpaceX. So maybe we can get a band up there, and yeah, that'll be the that'll be it. Thank you for listening to Colton Culture, Episode 7. Please be sure to check us out on 31G SoundCloud and also on iTunes Podcast for past and uh, future podcasts that will be up there. Thank you.